Amen. All right, baby. You ready? Countdown. All right. Welcome back. This is uh, Charles Musgrove, your host of Business Matters. I'm with the Bean Team, and this is going to be a another great episode. We've got a, a great guest today with us. Uh, this is another opportunity to bring some topics that are that are relevant and that are real for businesses success uh, we've had a series of these and we're going to continue to do it today we're going to talk with uh, Ben Graybar he's with Hancock Whitney Bank and we're going to be talking about cybersecurity so that has um, headline headline importance so that's stuff that we deal with on a daily basis whether it's our individual bank accounts our credit cards or whether it's our business so Ben before we do the uh, this is just before we get started this is really a before the show show of what's going to be recorded for the the radio show so this is an exclusive for the podcast only so this is um, this will give us kind of a chance to to frame what we're going to do in the the show once that starts for the the recording for the radio show so I know you do these um, you do these presentations for cybersecurity all over the place and you do it probably hundreds how many times have you done this that's a that's a good interesting question it's been five years worth of probably you know five to twelve a year that's a lot yeah so that's uh that's pretty cool that you can uh wear the the bank's banner and and make those presentations because it's my guess is everywhere you go to give the presentations it is uh, it's needed people are very interested in hearing what you've got to say and they they probably walk away with some valuable information that they they didn't know before and it really arms them to protect themselves what i what i normally hear is uh, the the conversations interrupted by stories that people are sharing about themselves and folks that they know and and that's a big piece of it and the second piece is uh you scared the heck out of me yeah that's uh <laughs> you know that's that's funny you said scare the heck out of me i've had um on previous shows we've talked with attorneys and we get into employment law and other matters and that's always a fear kind of drives you to do things as well not just uh you want to get it done and you want to be better at it but a lot of times fears fear motivates you to to do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do and this is probably one of those areas it is i was uh, i was having a conversation with mike campbell from the jim rain institute and he said it's a contest every year whether it's you or the hr attorney that can scare people more exactly that's uh <laughs> that's it so that's uh mike and i have uh that in common so we get scared about things that that uh can hurt us so that that's uh that's a real thing not just in in our business but on our personal personal accounts as well so absolutely we're going to cover a little bit of that on both sides but the business and personal side because at the end of the day uh the two things are interconnected and so many of the breaches that we've seen started off as a personal thing and became a business thing right the um i guess that's what do people like to get they like to get money so where's the money kept the money's kept in that, that's my line you got to say your own lines that's okay mine. Yeah. is that your line that's exactly what it is you at yeah. the end of the day what are people coming after and a vast majority of the time you're exactly right it's the money yeah so if you think where the money is it's in the bank or it's in a credit card so they've got access to buy stuff or to take a withdrawal on the credit card or go into the bank and try to take money out of a bank account or and, they can write checks on it too so yep there's any number of these things and uh, and some of them are small and some of them are are quite large yeah so you know the things we read about or see on tv are the the gigantic equifax or 
Chase Manhattan or whatever the bank of the day is that their their uh, their security has been breached and hundreds of thousands of people's accounts have been uh, called into breach. So I know we're going to talk about that on the show as well. Yeah, that's one of those questions. It's like motorcycle riders say there's two types of riders, those that have fallen down and those that are about to fall down. Right. In this case, it's those that understand that they've been breached and those that don't know that, but it's already happened. Yeah. There you go. You're trying to scare us again. So uh, I'm here for you. Yeah. <laughs> the th- this is going to be good. So how do you want to how do you want to attack this? You want to frame it to start with on business and personal, or you just want to jump right into it and this what? this reads like a storyline. Okay. One slide leads into the next. All right. So and so you know, we can go as long and as far as we want with this. This is generally an hour and a half, and and we'll just stop where time stops us, and we can pick it up another time, or just you know call yeah. it call it other content. Well, uh, just for kind of keep in the back of your mind the show <clears throat> the recorded show is 22 minutes sure. so so you're not allowed to ask me questions <laughs> <laughs> there'll be there'll be uh plenty of questions but it's uh, yeah there may be stuff that there may be some meat on the bone that we don't get to talk about that'll happen but uh this will be i think just when you say there's an hour and a half worth of of presentation and content that we can go over that really the the people listening to this are going to get a lot of good, valuable, as I call them, nuggets. You said you don't know about how the, I, I the don't nuggets, want to be the nugget guy, but this is uh, <laughs> this is going to be valuable information. So, so I had this uh, this presentation. Uh, I was doing it for maybe three years, and and I kept thinking, oh, this is important. I have to add it and add one more and add one more. And by the time I was done with it, I was up to ninety something slides, and uh, I was invited to do a national webinar for InfraGuard, which is a citizens division of the FBI which was really cool, but it was, it was fully recorded, and then they played it back, and I got to watch it, and then they gave my email, and I got a series of responses from people. And uh, and I will skip naming people since it's recorded at this point, but there were some governmental agencies, there were universities, there were large-scale businesses where their CIO-type folks were saying, hold on, you mentioned something, I was not familiar with this, let's have a conversation about it. And I think the content of what we're going to cover today, the concept is, hey, I'm a banker, you know, I'm not a tech guy. Right. But that's kind of the point because you have a bunch of people in business that own business that aren't tech guys. And then you have their tech guy, and somewhere in between is this gap of information and communication that presents the fraud risk for taking place, and that's hopefully what we're going to cover and help people to prevent. Good. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be well-timed and, and very meaningful for those that are listening. So uh, let's get started with the show. We're going to hear some music right now in five, four, three, two. Good morning and welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team and your host of Business Matters. I'm glad you're joining us. This is another exciting episode we've got. And today we are joined by Ben Graybar, Vice President with Whitney Hancock. Yes, he is a banker and he's going to talk about cybersecurity. Ben, it's a pleasure to have you. And uh, I know that you are, shall I use the word expert? 
If you do something enough, I think you can call yourself that, but there's always someone that knows more, right? That is true. Let's, uh, I'm going to call you an expert because before the show, we were talking about how many, how long you've been doing this and, and how many presentations that you've given on cybersecurity. Yeah, it probably at least, you know, five years worth and half dozen to a dozen a year, depending on who we're talking to, how many people are in the audience. So it, it just kind of keeps coming. The invitations are rolling out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And audience, I know you can't see this since you're uh, you're looking at your radio dial right now, but I've, I've got in front of me about 90 pages worth of slides that, that, that Ben has put together. So it is a stack of information, and I'm going to use the word nuggets and i know that you're ben is going to provide us with some knowledge nuggets today on cybersecurity. so hopefully by the time we we finish the show we're gonna we're gonna walk away with how to better protect ourselves yep whether that's our individual bank account our our data our business we're going to walk away with some information that's going to help us be much more secure in our everyday life yeah the intent is to to use as many real life examples of things as we can so that uh, it makes it easy to digest and to share with your staff. Good. Ben, I, you've probably had this question before, but a banker, I get it, bank and, and cash, and that's where people want to go. But what what got you started in becoming an expert in this area? Yeah, there were two things that happened simultaneously that, that piqued my interest in here and, and really got me focused on it. And the first was uh, I was part of the Anthem healthcare breach that took place. So somebody lost a laptop. Apparently it was cracked or it was unsecured somehow. And so we got a series of letters sent to each family member, including my kids, telling us that our information had been breached and it included every single thing that you could possibly know about somebody. You know, your salary, social security number, date of birth, you know, every single piece of identifying information. And that's a wake-up call. And what we got in exchange was, hey, we're going to let you monitor your credit for a year or two for free. Wow. It's like, that's not a good exchange. No. And my social security number, of course, didn't change. So it's still out there somewhere. And, you know, I was a little freaked out. My wife, you know, quality conversation at home. Right. <laughs> and and uh, all that went on. And then uh, at the same time, I was part of a networking group. And there was a guy who was in business in Tallahassee. And he comes in on a Tuesday and says, uh, I had the weirdest conversation. Uh, I went on my wedding anniversary, took a three-day weekend. I come back. I got calls from the bank. Everyone's going nuts. All the money's out of my account. The people that I was trying to use the money to spend are telling me my card's rejected, trying to figure out what happened. And he said, I I never used this debit card, so how could they have my debit card number? And he ended up uh, losing almost a quarter million dollars. Wow. And didn't get a penny of it back. And it ended up, of course, having a huge effect and shutting down the company in the end. And so it's uh, everyone that knew me said, you're a banker. This money came out of his bank, not my bank. And... And how the heck did it happen? And it can't happen to me and tell me what you know. So this was in what year? It was five years ago. 2015, 2014. Yeah. So was it a business account? It was. And uh, and so we'll get into what that means. But the, the short answer is this was an ACH, an automated clearinghouse, an automatic debit, just like you have. Uh, you get an email from a city, Tallahassee, saying clicker to pay your bill, or you have an auto draft for your car payment or insurance or whatever it is. That's an automated clearinghouse. A lot of people will say, oh, well, I don't do those. Well, it doesn't matter if you do them. It matters if it occurs to you without your permission. That's the whole concept of this fraud. And there are things that you can do to prevent that, or at least to uh, put it back in the order it should be in right. if that sort of thing takes place. So is so. there, a, 
you'll probably get get into this later, but is there a difference between that being a debit card versus a credit card? Uh, yeah, well, the difference is your money versus borrowed money. Right. And so if you have an incident where the money goes on a charge on your charge card, you call up the credit card company and you say, hey, that's not me. And they say, okay, we'll reverse the charge. We'll, re- we'll look into it. You'll get a letter from us. And in 30 days, if they don't respond to our satisfaction, we'll keep that charge off your account. What are you out? How does it change your life? It doesn't. Right. Now, conversely, if this is a debit card, the money comes out of your bank account. Right. Now it's not a reversing of the charge. It's a bank. Will you take your money and put it into my account? So you're going to you're gonna advocate using credit cards rather than debit cards. You got that right. Good. I've always said the same thing. On the accounting side, we much rather deal with credit card transactions than debit cards because yeah. those debit card transactions, they come out of the bank all the time versus a credit card. It's a different conversation to say give me provisional credit on a charge versus take money and put it in my account right and i'm sure the 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 detection process has improved over time but i've been very impressed with how the credit card monitors your activity and they'll contact you if there's any suspicious card activity they're getting pretty good at you know at putting enough resources to spot things that are uh, outside of the normal range of your activity so if you're going to go travel, of course, you want to tell your credit card company, hey, I'm traveling. Now, if you have a chip in the card, it's a little bit harder to fake the chip. It's normally those swipe things, which unfortunately are at the gas pumps. Right. And so you travel out of state, and all of a sudden there's a swipe at a strange gas pump, and you potentially have a problem if you didn't tell the folks, hey, I'm going to plan on going out of town. Now, I've heard this before. So you said to contact your credit card and let them know you're going out of town. Absolutely. Well, I've never done that. I've heard that. Who do you is there like a I'm going out of town like you do your newspaper and you put it on suspension or how do you do that with a credit card? Well, if you if you have a local bank or local bank and a credit card through them, it's real simple. You just text or email, contact your local contact. If it's a national card, a lot of people just say we'll figure it out uh, and they go out of town and the card gets shut down. At some point, they say, "Sir, ma'am, your card's declined," and then they call the card company and they have this quality conversation about, "No, it's really me." Here's my social, you know, and you're giving them all this private information out of town to make them turn the card back on for you. That's so, another one of those quality conversations. Absolutely. That you'd rather not have. Exactly. Yeah, the, the uh, unfortunately, and you've probably had hundreds if not thousands of these conversations when you start to do this presentation that people are going to say, well, let me tell you about my story. Oh, yeah. It comes up every time. And uh, and that's one of the, the benefits of doing these in a group setting. So uh, my first, you can't see it on the radio slide, says uh, billions of people had data stolen in 2018. And that's B, billions. Billions. And so the issue becomes security fatigue. Uh, how many people are sick and tired of hearing about cybersecurity? They figure, I've heard about it. I thought about it. I've tucked it away in my head, and I'm done with it. And now the question is, you know, years pass, and now what is the threat and what's happening and has it changed and how's it evolved and what do you need to do to protect yourself? And so one of the things that we're doing is, of course, advocating being present here, having these conversations, you're listening to it now, right. so maybe we can make an impact. Absolutely. So you have to stay, that's something that you have to always do. It's not something that you, you've done cybersecurity, you've done your security measures last month and you stored away for, for another year. This is not I had a staff meeting three years ago, and we're good now. Right. If you bring on any new employee, you need to have a new conversation about it. You need to have your IT guy not just thinking they're handling it, but communicating whatever those new threats are so that you can be aware. You need to keep everything updated uh, and have an awareness of what the things are that are morphing in terms of the threats. So the example is you'll get an email, and it says, hey, your McAfee's out of date. Click here to update it. 
Well, guess what? That's one of the things that the bad guys are saying, hey, here's a good way to make people clickbait. Right. So we're going to send you something that looks like it has all the right logos on it saying, you know, update your password, click here to downgrade the security patch, whatever it is. And those are the sorts of things that you need to say, wait, I never touch anything, click anything, download anything, unless I preemptively expect that to come in, or I'll take it aside, I'll look up the contact information for that entity that sent me that link or attachment, and I'll say, I'll contact them and say, did you send this to me? And I tell you, it happens uh, every month where I call that person up and I say, uh, I wasn't expecting you to send me a banking proposal and financials uh, request, so I got this from you. Did you send it? Oh, I've been breached. Really? Great to know. You know right. Perhaps you, since you knew that, you could have gone to your sent file and hit reply to all and <laughs> exactly <laughs> clued us in. Yeah, I've had the um, things like that that come in the email like everybody else. The, the latest is, um, it looks like it's a message from Microsoft, like you have a voice message. So it looks authentic, but I've never never click on that. So well, and it's emails, and now it's text messages as well. Oh, so, so it's gone to text messages as well. Yeah. So you just have to be extremely careful. So uh, you know, the next slide, I'll just go into this for a minute because it, it it plays into this. People who think that they've addressed the issue need to understand that when Equifax was breached, 143 million Americans who had a credit bureau had that information leaked and lost. So the chances are that your information is already out there. Right. So let's not pretend that you're safe and sound. Let's act in a way that says, it's already happened. What do I need to do about it? And that, Good. that's yeah. where we're going to give you some tips Good. on this today. Let's, let's hear it. All right. So one of the things I want to cover, and, and we'll go into this in, in some detail along the way, what are the types of things that we see? So there are web apps that are issues, denial of service attacks, card skimmers, which are still an issue even though it became – Believe it or not, illegal to have card skimmers in 2017. Who knew? And they still do it. And they still do it. Right. Are you saying bad guys don't follow yeah. the law? Go yeah. figure. Uh, and then privilege misuse, which generally has to do with people that work with you and for you. And then crimeware and then other. So what's really kind of neat, if you want to geek out on this stuff, Verizon, you know, the cell phone guys. Oh, yeah. They do. They compile this uh, huge report every year, and they have it in two forms, the detailed, really long version, and then the short summary version. And you can download either one. And the, the short version gives you a graphical representation of the sectors of industry and the types of attacks that tend to occur. And they compile this data from pretty much every agency out there, including the, the Secret Service, Kaspersky, Cisco, anyone that they can find. And interestingly, uh, if you think of Verizon as cell phone, what's it have to do with anything else? Obviously, cell service, a lot of people are connecting their devices right. through the cell service. And then, of course, Verizon bought Yahoo, and that's going to be one of the things we're going to cover in a minute. So it affects pricing, costs, valuation of companies, and other things. So my next uh, slide on your radio dial is the Yahoo breach. So if you had, for example, a Yahoo account, email account, were you aware that all 3 billion Yahoo accounts had their passwords breached? 3 and billion. So, of course, they found out when this happened. You know, at some point in time, it became evident that it occurred. And not not right when it occurred. How, it's like sometime later. That becomes a, a sliding scale as to who finds out what happened when. So one of the things we'll get into is there are breaches that have taken place over three and four years before people figured it out. And often the bad guys are in and out, but often they're in and just harvesting the data because everything works. You're still able to get on your computer and get on your phone, and you don't realize that someone also is in there with you. So what are they, in that case, what are they... What are they taking? 
Sometimes they're taking, sometimes they're monitoring and just getting ready. Sometimes they're searching for the right opportunity. Um, but sometimes they're mobilizing or, or basically using uh, your a device as a botnet, mm -hmm. which is like a soldier in their army to go do other attacks on other folks. And we'll go into that in just a minute. But uh, I wanted to cover the Yahoo thing for one main reason, and that's passwords. And so the issue becomes if somebody has a password breached in whatever form, someone's looking over your shoulder, uh, you're typing it in a public space where you shouldn't be, and they can and they can keystroke log you, whatever it means. You have it under your uh, mouse at your computer, of course, because that's a super secret place that nobody knows. Or you knows. put it on your post-it note and put it on your monitor. Right on the front. That's oh, a yeah. great place for it. Or it's password. Well, of course. But it's secret. If you change the S's to fives, then no one knows. Okay. So anyway. We're safe. So the issue becomes, of course, with the Yahoo thing, that too many people use the exact same password on all their devices. And so if they get into one, what's the bad guy generally doing? He's going through your device and putting the same password in for everything that you have to see how many things you got lazy on and didn't alter the password. So not just device, but in bank number one, bank number two. In every, all the different accounts you've used the same In password. every website you're going to on your history, in every app that you have downloaded on your phone or your computer, they're just going to run through the list and say, okay, what, what does this password work with? Are you going to touch on um, the password keepers like LastPass? Well, that, that's a good question. So um, first, on password keepers, there are a lot of people brighter than me who think that that's a great idea. There is also uh, some historical example of one of those being breached. And then, of course, if you have everything in the safe and someone cracks a safe, that's a problem. Right. So uh, I have my own ways of doing it that, I, that work for me. And so here are some examples of good ways to do that. You know, if you look around wherever you are sitting right now, uh, and generally in your desk, you have a me wall. You know, you have your plaques, your awards, your degrees. You have your computers that have names, things that have letters and words on it. Right. And if you just pick one of those things and you pick five or six of those letters that just the first letter and alter capital and not capital, and then add in somewhere that makes sense to you that you'll always remember some special keystroke, you know, your parentheses, hashtag, money sign, whatever it is across the special signal or the special signs. And then you have your numbers and you throw a number in and then you can alter, you know, if it's every 30 days, 60, 90 days that you're required to change a password, you can add a digit or just change that number at the end. And now the question becomes, how do I remember my password? Well, I look at the wall. You know, I look at my award that I have there that has words on it. Maybe it's your favorite song and you use the five, first five words of that song in the first letter from each of those five words. Maybe you have something saved in your contacts list on your phone or your computer that is a, a, a non-existent relative who has a street name or street address that becomes part of your password. And maybe you keep that more complex piece of it, that hashtag number, whatever nonsensical piece that you repeat, but that's the hardest part for something to replicate, and that be the part that you don't include there. So even if you have a breach and they look at it and they go, that doesn't look like a real street name, but maybe it is. Uh, but that's actually your password, and then you just know those extra characters you throw in. So those are different ways that you can keep the password. You can also write on your Post-it note if you need to, just those few pieces that change, but the hard pieces that stay in your brain, you have them separate or you don't have them written down at all. And that way it makes it hard to breach. What you do not want to have is words of the dictionary that are in your password because generally they have spooling software that will just keep hitting up trying to crack that code. And if you've got easy ones, not a good thing. So what if you have, and this is probably, that is a good question. So how many, uh, what's the average number of accounts or logins 
do most people have? Is there is that do you know that number? Is that fifty, a hundred? Yeah, that, I don't know the answer to that. I tend to have maybe three different sets of codes. I have the basic easy where there's nothing private that I don't care if, if I tell you on the street as a stranger, that's an easy password and I'll probably have that in a couple places and I don't care because there's really nothing that I consider sensitive there. Then there's that sort of middle of the road stuff that it's maybe, you know, I'm not putting a credit card in, there's nothing financial there. Um, but I'm changing the password regularly enough so it can be medium short. And then you have the complex ones that are generally required to be up to 15 characters long. And so that's going to be a big, long, complex, hefty thing, and you're probably going to need some sort of memory jog to get you there. So you are using, let's say you have 50 accounts that you're logging into. Yeah. So you've put those basically in three categories, and yep. you have three different sets of passwords for all 50 of those. That have very slight very variability and variations. And if I write myself a note that says, for example, Yahoo, and then I put a capital letter and then a special character and a number, I know that's the variable difference between my passwords. No one else would really have a clue what that meant, and that way I can keep myself straight. All right. Well, good. That's uh, that's good. So. We, we kind of side-streeted that, the topic from, uh, from Yahoo. So you, where we left that was passwords. So let's go back there for just a minute and why, and why is this relevant. Uh, not many people know that you as a business owner, you're, if you own the computer, and if someone gives a password to someone else without your permission as the owner of that computer, it's actually a crime. So that's something to keep in mind. What we hear is, you know, hey, uh, I'm out of the office, and I need you to send me a certain report. Log in, send me this file that I can't get to, this presentation. And so it's actually illegal for someone to do that without your permission if you own that computer. And part of the issue is, and here's some statistics for you, one in five employees will sell their passwords to someone else. Wow. 44% of the people polled will do it for under 1000 bucks. some for under 100 65% admit to using one password among multiple applications. That's, of course, the problematic thing we just talked about. And then about a third of them share that password with their coworkers. And here's a really big issue also. Two in five people, once they leave employment, don't have that old password shut down. Wow. So one of the things that I advise people is um, when we see fraud, you know, there's some people that we, we know have spent time in, in the three squares a day provided for in place. And uh, what we found is their lifestyle suddenly changed. And, and sometimes uh, it was for the good, for the better, where suddenly they're driving a Porsche. It's like, I didn't know I paid you enough to drive a exactly. Porsche, but be it's a, a nice car. Look, be observant, right? Be observant. Look so in if, your parking lot. If you suddenly see an improvement in the person's lifestyle, and they're talking about their new beach home, and their significant other doesn't have some new raise and nobody passed away that you're aware of, that this might be something to start researching. But the other thing is just the opposite. What if somebody's experiencing financial duress? And, and or a drug habit, or they're going through some you know marital discourse, whatever it is, uh, you need to be aware that if you give them the opportunity, most all the fraud cases that we go back and forensically discover, someone said, well, I thought that I would put it right back. I really needed that $300, and, and I was going to put it back next month. But then when no one came asking, I did it again. And then no one came asking, and three years later, it's $90,000. Right. And and you're having this conversation about what am I going to do with the money that you just spent, you know? Yeah, that's some of the um, – we've seen that in the past, too, that some of the most basic and simple control measures can prevent that. Are you looking at the bank? Is the owner looking at the bank? Have they given the uh, that trusted person in the office, have they given them check signing authority and control of the books? 
Well, and that's one of these things, you know, I, I would advocate and argue uh, for against some of the folks in, in your line of work, the CPA world, because what do they say is we want to have separation of responsibilities when it comes to opening the mail, which is great. And I want the mail to be sent to a secured lock lockbox somewhere, and I want it to go maybe to somebody's home if it doesn't include the unique identifying information on the account. So it's not going to the office because we've seen circumstances where that one trusted person who's been there forever was actually altering and creating fake documents because computers will let you do that oh, yeah. stuff these days. Yeah, we've seen and that. So I'm I'm a big advocate of instead. Uh, I would say, and, and this goes for your business as well as nonprofits where you serve, that you give a certain number of people access view only to the bank account and you charge them with actually going in and logging and confirming that they've looked at those transactions that are posted because you can't fake what is showing up online. Oh, exactly. That's what cleared the bank. That's right. So if you're looking at a check register that printed out, that may not be what cleared the bank. No, and I've, I've actually had, uh, and it was an accountant, it wasn't a CPA, that was serving in a treasurer capacity and so everybody just had implicit trust with that person and when they changed officers and someone came in to get a new signature card and I said hey you got 1500 bucks in the account they said 15,000 I said 1500 come to my office <laughs> and we found $90,000 missing that day yeah yeah it's scary how uh, the simple things can prevent the big things that's right Ben we are uh, we got a few nuggets those are important nuggets passwords do the basics look at your account Take control of your account of what what's going in and out of your bank account and your credit card. That's right. And common sense on what you're opening. Never open a file you didn't expect. Exactly. Those are the simple things, but they can save you a lot of heartache. They can save your company from being shut down. So thank you, Ben Graybar, for joining us today with cybersecurity. Great information. You have been listening to Business Matters. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove. Join us again next Sunday at 1130 a.m. Have a great week. God bless. Peace.